Warning. This podcast does not contain actual virgins. Discretion is advised. The Movie Virgins. Bross. And I'm Lindsay Schaefer. And this is a very special episode of Movie Virgins, which is typically a weekly discussion of our first times with movies. This week we are talking about a movie that both of us have seen before. Lindsay, would you like to introduce this week's movie? Sure. Um, we are talking about, I'm, I'm looking it up the year because I never 2007. remember. 2007. Thank you. 2007, Oscar winner, one of my top five Definitely top ten. Top five? Probably top five. Yeah. Wow. Of all five. No country for old men. It's uh, hard so it's a top five if I classify the Lord of the Rings trilogy as a single movie. That's right. how I that's how I put it together. Great. We got the Lord of the Rings, we got the Godfather, we got the assassination of Jesse James. We got By the Coward Robert Ford. Yes, that is correct. Full no title. country for old men, and then there's another slot in there for whoever whoever slots in whenever something wait it varies a lot but that's why i'm saying definitely top 10 typically top five one of my favorite movies yeah so you love it a lot more than me because i i you know i'd seen it before and i think it's really good and we're having a josh brolin moment right now sure i do and that was one of my questions for you too is what do you like about this movie because it feels very much up my alley right so the first time i saw it couldn't tell you when. It wasn't in the theater. It was probably at home on a couch with Jim. Was it like later, well after it had uh, been released? It was probably or? around the time that it was released. Because um, you heard all the buzz and everything. And... I don't even know that I heard. I just was like, yeah, I guess we'll watch this. Um, and so the two things that I remember are, well, my big takeaway was the end. I loved the very end. Um, and honestly, I did, there were a lot of things about it that I didn't remember that I want to talk about after yeah. having watched okay. it this time around but just the end with tommy lee jones just sitting there with that fucking haggard look on his face talking about this dream and then and then he says and then i woke up and it's like black screen and i was just like that was a perfect ending it's perfect great. ending and i loved 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 tommy lee jones in this movie and i the other thing that i remember is that my friend laura who has the best giggle in the whole world talking about how she had a crush on javier bardem and like giggling about it i love javier bardem in this movie you want to fuck him with that haircut no i don't want to fuck him from this movie i (laughs) um sugar sugar (laughs) i what attracted me to the movie initially were a handful of things i did see it in the theater i saw when it first came out um huge fan of javier bardem mostly for before night falls which was, I think, 2000. Haven't so it was it. a handful of years before. It's on the list, actually. Um, he was absolutely amazing in it. And I didn't see him in much else. It's not like he was a super prolific American mm-hmm. actor at the time. Um, so that made me want to see it. We've talked about before that I've been in love with Josh Brolin for many a year. Since, since like, Goonies? Since, uh, no, since The Young Riders. So late 80s. Um, which has been a while. But yeah, absolutely love Josh Brolin. Cormac McCarthy, 
I don't love all of his writing. He can be very loquacious, we'll say. Uh, and sometimes it's a little hard to get through, and he doesn't typically do great with female characters, but there's still something about his stories that I really enjoy. Like, All the Pretty Horses was one of my favorites for a long time, so too. Um, I think the movie and the book. probably the only Cormac McCarthy adaptation I've ever seen, and I've never read any of his stuff, and honestly, I don't really give a shit about it like oh I guess I could read it but it doesn't seem like it would be something I would like to read I didn't I don't enjoy his books as much as I do the movies which is another way it's kind of like how it is with Stephen King I don't like Stephen King's writing I don't like his books I sit down and I read it and I I don't the thing about it is it's very accessible it is and and I feel like Cormac McCarthy is almost the opposite of that that there's inaccessible a little bit um and I shouldn't say inaccessible. It's not as though it's, you know, really hoity-toity. It's more there's a certain almost like accent dialect in some of it. There's some run-ons. Things things that just kind of... You just don't like the style. Yeah, it just doesn't... The style doesn't jive with me. Sure. But the story's great. Um, so I tend to gravitate more towards the movies. But that was part of it. It's epic kind of in general. Crime. I mean, like, let's be real. You know how I feel about, you know, mob movies and things like that. And, duh... Coen Brothers. Yeah, so I don't ever really think about the Coen Brothers a lot. I've seen Fargo. I've seen this, obviously. I've seen a few other things. Like, I saw True Grit. I actually saw True Grit in the theater. I Yeah, I saw True Grit in the theater, too. Um, and I actually really like that version. Yeah, version but did. what I was thinking about... So I didn't remember this. that this movie takes place in 1980. I knew it was in the past. I didn't remember yeah. when exactly. So I was... as I And, and we just did Uncut Gems, Uncut Joms last week. Right. And that kind of went back to 2012. But the thing about this one, as I was watching it, I was thinking about how if you make a movie set in the past, oftentimes it becomes timeless in a way. It's a... It can, yeah. You know, whereas if, you know, you're watching movies from today, it feels like... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but this movie feels timeless to me. And this story, in a lot of ways, feels timeless, even though it is about a very specific place and time and way of life and... The story absolutely is timeless. You, you get that from the sheriff's visit with his old friend mm-hmm. who is specifically saying the same shit always happens. Yeah. Every generation has the same shit happening all the time. And I do, I think that that is more provocative to put that at, at the time, 25 years before than it would have been to make it modern day because everybody who sits in today's world is always thinking, it's never been this bad. It's never been like yeah. this. We've never had to deal with this before. Mm-hmm. And if you take something and you go back in time to, say, 1980, and you see the kind of shit that they had to deal with, and then you have somebody there who's saying, my grandfather dealt with the same kind of shit in 1907. Yeah, I dealt with the changed. same kind of shit 20 years ago. It's never going to change. And you can look at it and see in the last 25 years since 1980 – which now obviously has been much longer than that even, you can sit down and, and look back and go, yeah, you're right. It's always something. It's always something new, always something different. It, it, Like, if I think about the world right now, so we just lived through a pandemic. That's not unprecedented. It's, it's not unprecedented over. in modern times and in the modern times that we know, but it happened to 400 years ago. Um, a worldwide pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Or I guess worldwide pandemic is stupid yes, to say. Right. Pandemic. Um, and world war has happened before, and now we have all this stuff happening in Ukraine with Russia and all of that kind of stuff. And I think I, I've definitely, and I'm sure lots of people my age or younger than me or maybe a little bit older than me might be thinking like, oh, the world's never been this bad. 
But the world's absolutely been this bad. The world was so bad that Virginia Woolf filled her pockets with her, her pockets with rocks and and walked into a river to drown. Like okay, but to be clear, she didn't do that because the world was so she, bad. She did because she was depressed. Well, she was, but like it was the beginning of World War II, and she was like, I don't want to. I know. Was, I'm, it was I'm all just saying it, right? that's not not everybody killed themselves in during sure, the world right, war. Right, but what I'm saying is like this is the world we live in. This is humanity. This is it. And I think. Yeah, that's a big theme of this movie is that, mm-hmm. and and you're watching it all through, of course, Tommy Lee Jones's perspective of, or his character's, uh, Sheriff Bell's perspective of, I'm, I don't know if he was waiting for things to get better, and for him, from his perspective, it just seemed to be getting worse and worse and worse, and now he's going to retire, and he doesn't know what to do with himself. And it's sad, but also, like, just the reality of being a human. I think, for me, one of the biggest overarching I don't know if it's a theme, I guess a theme of this movie too is there are two kinds of people, two kinds of creatures in this world. Those who accept their fate and those who push back against it. And you see it over and over again. You see it even with the the, the hunting segment at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And Josh Brolin has the one deer, I don't know what it's kind an of antelope. deer is it? It's an antelope. Yeah. Um, but like he has, maybe a pronghorn. He has this antelope in his sights and what does he say? Don't move don't move like I love because how he, he knows. talks to himself throughout the whole movie so the way he talks to himself is exactly how it's I talk to fabulous. myself too. It's fabulous. like getting up in the middle of the night just being like all right <laughs> all that same kind of shit I do but yeah when he's talking to the deer antelope and saying don't move what he's really saying is if you fucking move it's going to be worse for you yeah. just accept your fate and what happens he gets nicked and now he runs off with the rest of the herd and probably dies in pain somewhere mm-hmm. A dog running by who also has been shot and injured and probably is going to die out mm-hmm. in that desert. Um, all of these guys who, it's over and over again, it's, are you willing to accept your fate or not? Josh Brolin's character, Llewellyn, not willing to accept no, his fate. No, fights and fights and fights. 100%. His wife absolutely accepts it. She says, from the very beginning, I saw you walk in here. I knew you were crazy. I knew what was going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. And what does she do? She's the only person who stands up to him and says, no, I'm not going to play your stupid game. Right. Like, I know, I know what's coming. I'm, let's do it. I think the interesting thing about Tommy Lee Jones is I, he's, he's, it's hard to tell where, and I think it's him deciding too. I, I don't think he knows quite what to do. Like, he's... I think he wants to push back, but he also just wants to accept it. You know, he has, he doesn't want to believe this is the way the world is. Or it shouldn't be the way the world is. He's pushing back against against that fate. He's thinking about, yeah, it's probably time for me to retire. But also, what would I do with myself? You know, I don't know. Maybe I should keep at it. And ultimately, he has this dream of his dad just moving on ahead of him and building Mm -hmm. a place and him knowing that's where I'm going to ultimately be. That is my fate. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. I will be out there with my dad and he'll have everything all set up for me. And I think you get the feeling that, okay, he's good with it. He gets it. He's going to, he's going to settle in. His fate may be to live for 20 more years as a retired Mm -hmm. man with his wife, but I mean, he's accepting it. That's not what I took away from it. What I took away from it was that he's like, he's, is this it? Is this it? Like, he has this... this really bleak way of... I know, but it's a fucking bleak ending to the movie. He's telling him this story about this dream where his dad has obviously died. And, in, and, and I love how he describes it as, you know, it's my dad, but I'm 20 years older now yeah. than he lived to be. So I guess I'm the old man in this scenario. And then here he is and he's he's off and he's in this kind of timeless old older age space. And he's off and he's waiting for me. 
And he's also just sat down talking to his wife about, well, I guess I could go for a ride today. And she's like, I'm not going to plan your day for you. He's kind of lost, you know, in this retirement. And I think he's saying, he's thinking like. Well, that's why I think it's, this is the point where he's starting to accept it. I'm not saying he sat down at breakfast that morning and thought to himself, oh, I'm good. I think he's, this is him seeing it. Right. Well, maybe, but I guess even in that, like. It's a bleak, I think he really is just like, is this going to be the rest of my life? Because it's interesting to me because he he obviously wasn't happy doing, like in this cat and mouse game of the movie where he's, Shigur is chasing down Josh Brolin's character Moss and Tommy Lee is kind of following behind them, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this, which was fun to watch uh, for lots of reasons. Um, but every time he, he's a little bit behind him, right, he just misses him. Like, there's condensation on the milk bottle, and he gets to the hotel room, and he's still there. And then Which is how I always come back to fate. Right. How could that not be fate, right? That you are just by a few just seconds. Just by a few time. seconds. And, yeah. I mean, coming coming to the hotel, the desert sands, and the, the Mexicans are pulling out in yeah, that moment. exactly. Just missed him. But every and time. And all of every that time keeps he, him alive, too. All, Let's be real. If he walked in on them at any point. Right. But every time he finds these moments, he just seems so just got this look on his face of like oh this is the world I live in and it's awful and so he's in a way saying like knowing that he's going to retire and maybe he's going to get away from this because it's this terrible space and then he's now he's retired and he's like but now what do I have to look for more forward to I guess I'm just gonna die and I don't know what my day is gonna look like and my wife won't help me plan my day and she's not retired like it just I think part of that in my mind at least it's it's a bit of a testament to tommy lee jones too oh god that i think he's able to at least this is how i kind of see that character i don't see that character as being so to speak a depressive you know what i mean like i don't see him as that but i I, I think tommy lee does a great job like really world weary uh, yes and no like he is but he's also okay he's He's also okay like he's still deputy time flattens a man you know like yeah but he's also still in a healthy relationship his he still jokes around with his wife he still has friends he talks to he's still he seems weary but not in a again kind of like depressed what am i gonna do with the rest of my life kind of way he seems just sort of like this is just what it is. It's this just is just a, how it is. I had the closed captioning on, and I can't tell you how many times there was a shot of Tommy Lee Jones with, in brackets, size. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that is his character. He's just like one long, like, <sighs> well. So I think that's that comes back to the title of it too, though, right? It's It's not that he's an old man. Yeah. And this is no place for an old man. Although I and didn't. it's him starting to figure that out and see that. And it's not that I'm so world weary and I'm so sad and depressed and the, everything is so bleak and awful and terrible. It's just that he's seeing that this is not a world that I'm good in. Like I can't. It's I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't it. understand I don't the people. It doesn't in feel this like area. I belong here anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not saying that he's not obviously going through some mm-hmm. stuff because of all of that. Right. But it feels very much like a like he. He's he's throughout this last case of his, he's really starting to understand and accept that that yeah. this is just not I don't where belong I belong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> my fa- I read some letterboxed reviews this morning, and my favorite was maybe old men can have a little bit of country as a treat. What? <laughs> so it's no country for old men, but maybe they can have a little bit of country as a treat. I'm sorry, I just thought I was really amused by that. I don't think I get it. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, no country for you old men. You don't get any country, but maybe you can have a little bit as a tree later. Okay. Got it? So I get it. It's just dumb. It's just... <laughs> Okay. kind of humor i guess i don't belong in this movie either okay yeah. so so we love tommy lee we have different takes on you know maybe what the end means or what you know some of the themes but um what what else what, what else? do you what do you think the main thing is the main theme just life sucks <sighs> you know as i was watching it this time there were so many things that i just didn't remember it's been a really long time i mean it probably has been since 2007 2008 since i've seen this movie um i the um fuck Mm-hmm, I'm losing mm-hmm. it. I'm losing yeah, it. Uh-huh. Um, yep, yep, yep. I think maybe maybe not so much about themes, but just thinking about the kinds of people we're looking at. So we've got um, it felt like Russian nesting dolls in a way. So there's the story of um, this standoff where this money ends up, and then Josh Brolin just happens upon it. And his character, I was so fascinated by because I I was like. And they're, you've got to, I love this because it's so, it's so well done. They're not, it's one of those movies where like, we're not getting a lot of exposition dump. You just figure it out as you go along. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, how is so, he's so good at everything. Okay. He's a Vietnam vet. He's seen some shit. He knows what he's doing. Um, And less too for me that he knows what he's doing and more that I now understand his outlook on things better too. Why is he living in this shithole and kind of keeping to himself and kind of has a, weird relationship with his wife like he seems a little damaged yeah and i get that and yeah he he seems a little bit violent even though he's not he doesn't seem at all like a bad guy right okay well now i get that yeah Mm -hmm. he's he's smart and capable in these ways that you wouldn't necessarily think maybe a regular joe would be okay now i get that now i understand because he was there's so much of it that comes together in this this moment that's more than halfway through the movie yeah so he comes upon this he gets this money and now shigur is after him um, because he's this hired hitman to come go get this money. And he's a fascinating character because he's like this psychopath killer guy with this weird set of his own principles. And then you've got Tommy Lee kind of following up all along the way. It's it's fascinating to watch. I, I was upset, I think, when uh, Llewellyn gets to the desert sands and he has that conversation with the woman talking about beer, which if I'm anybody in this movie, that's who I am. I'm the lady at the pool saying, like, you want some beer? What comes after? I know what comes after beer, lady. Yeah, more beer. That's that, me. That's that's me. <laughs> so, in the, so I end up dead in the pool. Um, Aww. R.I.P. me. But I feel like I might be Tommy Lee. <laughs> I think you might be, yeah. So, so then you don't get to see the final standoff with him and the Mexicans. Which is which, great. Uh, I, yeah, it's just Tommy Lee. So... In a lot of it, we're in the story with Josh Brolin, and we're in the story with Shigur, and we're watching everything kind of unfold around them. But at the at beginning and the end, we are only in Tommy Lee's perspective, in, in Sheriff Bill's perspective. We just show up, and, and it's already said and done, and we have to figure out what happened, which is phenomenal. And I... With the exception of, like, the final Shigar moment. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I paid a lot of attention to the dialogue. The... When they... When uh, Shigur pops the VIN off the truck and he says, got a Scroogey? <laughs> Just obsessed with that. And then Roland comes home to see Is his... it with his mom? Well, the mom was great, but when yeah. when uh, Llewellyn comes home to his wife, Carla Jean, and she's like, what's in the case? Oh, a bunch of money. Oh, I sure wish that was true. And then he sits down and she's he's like, you keep running your mouth like that. I'm going to have to take you in the back and screw you. I'm like, I please, I need a Llewellyn Moss in my life. Yeah. No, the, the dialogue... The, 
the mom thing is one of my favorites because oh, of the look wonderful. on his face. That's... No, no, no. I don't mean her. I mean, I'm sorry. The the line where he oh, goes, when he, says, say, he goes, if say, I don't come back, tell, tell my mom, mom I, I love her. her. And she goes, your mom's dead. And then he gets this look on his face of like, oh yeah, well, I guess I'll tell her myself. <laughs> that to me is just a perfect, it's such yeah. a weird thing that you wouldn't think anybody in reality would say. And yet Josh Brolin kind of sells mm-hmm. it as like a, oh yeah, I guess oh, yeah. I did forget. I guess I forgot about oh. that. I am also very obsessed with how calm everyone is in this movie. Like, mm. Sheriff Bell is very calm and, and world-weary working through things. The Llewellyn Moss character, I mean, I love the bit where he starts being ch- he's being chased by the Mexicans, mm-hmm. and he ends up getting into the river, and then the dog is chasing him, and then he's like, he ends up and he's in the desert, and he has no shoes, and he still like gets out, and it's like, NBD, and he shows up at the house, and he's like, picking shit out of his body. I and still he's don't just understand like, why he took his shoes off to get in the river, though. I don't know either. I just... <laughs> See, like because you love your boots so much, you didn't want to get ruined. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe don't he knew that. he was gonna have to really kick with his feet because that the one part, arm the part wasn't two working. where he comes back to that same town that he bought the and he then to the store where he Watching bought the, the boots. Store and he's and like, the guy's just like, how are those boots working out for you? <laughs> Great, but I'm gonna need everything else. I love it. Yeah, that. and then also Shigur, obviously super calm, the chillest of the chill. Yeah. And the, that's a very. This is all very Coen Brothers mm-hmm. in like across the board everything. We go back to, uh, um, raising Arizona. Same kind of thing. What sells the humor? The oh, kind I've of dead. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's on the yeah. list. But kind of the deadpan quality okay. of calmness. That's what makes it so great. Fargo, the same kind of thing. It's just kind of like, well, I guess we have a problem here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the constant, you know, screaming shenanigans. It's too much. And even to what you were saying about, you know, we don't see that final showdown mm-hmm. where um, Llewellyn gets killed. I think if we did, it would have altered the feel of the movie too now it's become like an action movie mm-hmm. even just by adding that one scene where these mexicans come in and mm-hmm. shoot the place up and our hero so to speak dies mm-hmm. it's become a very different film yeah if that was there actually in it and he's so smart too i he's smart but he's not smart you know well, he's, I think fine. he's very smart he's just out of his element right but then somehow and he's doing the thing of not just accepting his fate and not just accepting his own limitations and not just accepting that, hey, this time you got bested and he just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah. Yeah. The Woody Harrelson, I forgot Woody Harrelson was in this. I did too. Um, it's so weird. I don't know how I could have forgotten that. Two people I forgot about. Woody Harrelson, no idea how I could have forgotten he was mm-hmm. in this. And Garrett Dillahunt. Oh my God, right, the deputy? I He's love wonderful. him so much. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, man, I don't remember him in this at all. And then... Then with the milk thing, when he was going like, it's just so frustrating. Was it frustrating? Frustrating, was that the word I think, used? yeah. It was so frustrating. He just repeats it. He's like, oh, yeah, so frustrating. <laughs> I remembered that. I was like, now I, now I gotcha. But yeah, I loved how Harrelson pronounced, and maybe this is just how he talks, the H's and his what's. What? What? I'm just obsessed with how he talks in this movie. And I didn't know this. Maybe I did and I had forgotten that Woody Harrelson's father was I didn't know that like a a hitman apparently like a I haven't hitman. ever done a deep dive on Woody Harrelson which kind of makes sense for him like it just makes <laughs> sense it just makes sense but also sense. Woody Harrelson's career kills me because I first met him in Cheers yeah, yeah. as Woody no I remember and I can't I can't tell you exactly what movie it was but I remember the few years in there where there was this dramatic shift literally dramatic Mm -hmm. shift where all of a sudden he was in movies and people were saying he was a good actor like a dramatic actor and i'm thinking like but he's woody what do you what what are you even talking like that's not even does not compute and we've seen it we we just talked about 
um, Adam Sandler, Mm -hmm. you know, the other day. And so we've seen it with many people since then, but it feels like, I feel like in my lifetime, Woody Harrelson was the first one who went from like, I've only known him as a comedian, maybe Tom Hanks. Because Tom Hanks, too, growing up, I knew him mostly from Bosom Buddies and Joe versus the Volcano and Money Pit. A lot of romantic comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was, you know, Forrest Gump and Apollo 13. Yeah. But those two are the two biggest ones that I can think of from my, like, early life where it was, no, this is who you are. You're like a goofball comedian. And oh my God, you're actually a really good actor. And he's not a big leaning man, right? He's this character actor who pops in and out. He has been. I mean, I, I just. What it, was the show? What was the HBO show? He was so True Detective. True oh Detective. Oh my god, he was yeah, good in that. That was wonderful. Him and McConaughey, yeah. perfect together. Yeah. So he he shows up in this, and I'm like, oh my god, it's him, and he's just only in it for a little bit. And I this felt like very much this part of it felt like a book adaptation adaptation to me. Mm-hmm. We have this guy show up, and you know, we cast Woody Harrelson, and he's in it for just a minute. Mm-hmm. And I, what purpose does he serve? I think he serves the purpose of building the mythology around oh, sugar. sugar exactly and that and that i is fine but i don't think i needed where woody harrelson to do that but it's the coen brothers fine do what do what you will i appreciate too having somebody very different in that role like woody harrelson he he even what did he call himself a day trader <laughs> I know he's, I'm he's just a day trader man he's like he's pale he's blonde he's wearing white suits he's not one of these other guys like mm-hmm. he's not he's obviously not you know mexican cartel mm-hmm. um he's not he's not even he's not you know a trailer trash guy he's not like a world weary sheriff he mm-hmm. is the rich man of the movie so to speak he's mm-hmm. like you know the yeah. The one who you would think would win. Like we've been told over the he years should win. that yes. this is the this is the he's one. He's the cleanup guy. He's gonna win. come in and he's gonna do right. Right. And, yeah. So yeah, I, and I think the the first time I watched this film, I was really taken by um, the Shigeru character. I'd never seen Bardem before. I was obsessed with his little killing device. Was really badass. Yeah. The silence around the shotgun like, was badass. Doesn't like a lot of effort to carry a tank around. With I him. mean, he makes it work, and then just his. Again, his calmness and his his the sociopathy of him and the, and the the psychopathy of him. He he was a really and I like the sound of his voice, the mm. tone of his voice, mm-hmm. um, just the way that uh, yeah, everything about it was phenomenal. For me, with him too, it's the very first scene with him, the the deputy on the phone after he's been ta- after right. he brought him and in. He just gets up and calmly you and see him in the background, just yeah, very slowly, calmly, methodically. Um, kind of not quite getting out of the cuffs, but, you know, getting out of the cuffs, coming over to him and just... And then a very violent death. It's what it is really is the look on his face. He's not looking at this person he's killing. Right. His eyes are up at the ceiling while he just... It's it's Mm -hmm. work. He's just doing what he has to do. Exactly. He's doing this thing and he's not thinking about... He's not... It's not the Hollywood version of a psychopath of like, who I love killing mm-hmm. and he's getting joy out of it. It's not that. It's I'm focused on my job. This is my job. I'm working. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that look in his eyes. And there's a little bit of a maniacal quality, mm-hmm. which you would have to have in an instant where you're, you know, using all your strength and energy mm-hmm. to kill somebody. Sure. But again, it's not I find joy in this. And it certainly isn't I don't want to do this. Right. It really is just a feel of. This is what I'm doing. I'm working hard. Yep. I'm working hard. Job's done. Moving on. He, I loved, so the, obviously the conversation with the guy at the gas station, mm-hmm. the whole coin flip, mm-hmm. all of that, the look on his face when he walks away from the guy, when he's telling him like, no, don't put it in your pocket, sir. 
Mm-hmm. Don't but then he says, he's like, it'll get mixed in with the mm-hmm. other coins. You'll mm-hmm. think it's a regular coin. And then he's just like. It's not. No, right. he says it is. He oh, says, right. And it which is. Because it, it is. is. Yeah. But he just gives him this look. And it's such a great, the face on his face is so wonderful. But the other thing about it, watching it this time, I just didn't appreciate. I didn't appreciate filmmaking in 2007 the way that I do now. Yeah. There are so many beautiful moments. And one of my favorites is in the gas station before that moment he's eating sugar mm-hmm. is eating something and he puts the wrapper down and there's a shot of just the wrapper opening back it up. is the thing that struck me the most last night that i didn't realize or focus on is the sound oh yeah and there's p- no, that's there's in no part score. that is the sound there is a little but, bit of a score done by no, no i'm not talking about the score oh, i'm mean? literally talking about the sound oh just the sound of, of everything I, every little they thing they didn't win an award but i feel like somebody had it was in a list of like, like sound mixing or something yeah it wasn't yeah it, was, it struck me within the first maybe 10 minutes or so um yeah. like especially with josh brolin out in, in the, the desert. desert by himself yeah. every little like the the wind the crunch under mm-hmm. his feet you know certainly the gunshot like all Everything of it. felt Every really real. Single little sound, yeah. and to your point about the the wrapper, the candy wrapper mm-hmm. or whatever, too. Everything is just yes. That's there's it, a lot of it thought. Was, it was perfect. Thought a lot of thought put into it. Yeah, there is a little bit of scoring, and that was done by Carter Burwell, who wrote Bella's theme from Twilight. I just wanted you to know that, like he was uncredited for doing Bella's theme from Twilight, but probably to maintain his career. Just just you know, heads up, he's kind of a big deal in the Twilight world. That's um, interesting. <laughs> Good to know. It's the song that Edward plays on the piano that he wrote for Bella. He wrote a song for her? Like, yeah. the vampire yeah. wrote, like, well, a song? Yeah, he's, like, 112 years old or something. Like, oh yeah, you gosh. can play Right, because if you're 112, obviously, play the piano. Absolutely. What else would you have to do with your time? <laughs> so, yeah. The, yeah, the sound of it's incredible. There's so much, there's a lot of um, playing with light and reflections and shadow, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they just have a lot of really beautiful um, Yeah, especially shots. that scene where Tommy Lee Jones comes into the hotel at the very end and you just see his figure mm-hmm. cut yeah. against. Yeah. And I, I also like the ch- that chase where Roland was running away from the Mexican Mexicans, the way that that was lit, because it's, it's dawn, so the light is kind of off. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. I also appreciated um, all of the dead animals looked really fake. I just always appreciate when they look fake. I can't stand the thought of a dead animal. Yeah. When it comes to dogs <laughs> in particular, I, yeah. I like how everybody has to comment on, like, the dead dog. Like, when, oh, yeah, when like, Shigur yeah, comes back originally, like, oh, well, that was what, that's what the deputy said, and then Dillahunt said, and then when Shigur comes with the two uh, two older guys, one of them's like, oh, there's a dead dog, and Shigur's like, yep, sure is, like, why does everybody have to comment on the dog? Because it's horrifying. I mean, the people, I get. killed the dog. The people chose this life, but the dogs, come on. Yeah. I, and I think, too, Josh Brolin's character, Llewellyn, when you first see him in that space where that shootout happened and he finds the guy still alive in the truck and he's asking for water and, and Llewellyn's just like, I don't have any, I ain't got no agua, man. And then he's like, shut the door, there's sloves. And he's like, there's, there's no, no lobos. Um, but then he has to come back and help him. So at first, because I, I remember the first time watching it being really focused on Sugar's character and this time I really paid attention to the Brolin character and I was like... He doesn't seem like a good guy, but then he wakes up in the middle of the night to bring him water. I'm like, okay, he's not so bad. He, yeah. But he was being smart. And that's kind of what I mean about hearing that he did two tours in Vietnam makes a lot more sense. His character makes a lot more sense to me because, mm-hmm. yeah, he's not... He's hard edge. He's not a bad guy, yeah. but he's got some problems. Yeah. He, you know, has seen some shit, and I yeah. totally get that. Um, and I like 
it makes him far more human too, of course, because everybody we're seeing in this movie is, uh, well, I mean, with the exception of Tommy Lee Jones, who I guess is the most human character, mm-hmm. so to speak, but everybody else is kind of like, not great. You know? Carla Jean's pretty great. Carla Jean's mom's kind of a bitch. She, her, her mom's a real bitch, but. <laughs> I got the cancer. Because <laughs> Carla Jean's mom will be fine. I got the cancer. That's the lady who plays Helen from Speed. I mean, I've seen her in other stuff. Yeah, I think she's the lady in Speed who, like, tries to get off and, like, she's kind of crazy and then they... I've definitely seen her in other things, too. She was wonderful. Loved a little bit of humor. I think that Tess Harper's... Tess Harper's character, like, um, Mrs. Bell was my favorite. Uh, But Carla Jean... I like Carla Jean a lot. I think Carla Jean, my problem with her is she's just... I don't know. I don't want to say she's dumb, but, like, she doesn't... She's not dumb... She's but following she Llewellyn wherever he tells her to do. Yeah, like it. she doesn't seem to have a whole lot of like her things that stuff. she wants to do. Yeah, with her well, life. In the it's according to the IMDb trivia in the book, he's supposed to be thirty six and she's nineteen. Oh, and well, that married, would make sense then. That and they she's married so when young. she was sixteen. So I could she she does if kinda, she was if she was that young I would totally I actually think I would get the character more. If she looked if that she young. She didn't look 20, that young. Yeah. yeah. It was so, I was really heartbroken when she showed up and Sheriff Bell like takes his hat off because, you know, he mm, can't, he doesn't yeah. even say it. She just knows that, that Llewellyn is dead. Yeah. I, I was majorly obsessing with Brolin's character this time around, just thinking about him. And, but I also love all the, the it's, it's, it felt real. I loved all the moments when he, like Llewellyn and Sugar were like fixing their, problems like uh their wounds Mm -hmm. like the way shigar goes into it just oh it's great it was great i was having a really hard time watching. he had the presence of mind to when he went into the pharmacy to also get some lidocaine like he's thinking this shit through he's He's laying down the plastic wrap i love it i I can't i i just can't see another person take a boot full of blood off like i just can't it was a great shot gross just gross and even Caleb Landry, Landry Jones shows up at the end of this movie. I did He's not. one of the kids. I saw the two kids are there, and I'm looking at both of them. And at first, I was just like, they're two kids. And then I saw him in a certain light. Like, he just moved his face a certain way. And I was like, I fucking know that kid. Yeah. I was like, that's the kid from X-Men. Because that's where I mostly know him from. <laughs> I've seen him in other stuff. It was mostly X-Men. And I couldn't remember his name, but I kept staring at him because he didn't, he was so young. Unmistakable looking, that kid. But he was so young that he doesn't look totally like him until he kind of turns his head a certain way. Or then he started to say something and I was, then I would, so I'm staring at him for the whole like three minutes that he's on screen thinking, it's him. It's not him. It's it's definitely him. Maybe it's not him. It's definitely him. It's, I love it when you see someone who I, I think Caleb Landry Jones is a very talented actor and I've seen him in a lot Mm -hmm. of cool stuff and, um, he, to see him as a kid and mm-hmm. think, wow, like, and here he is as a child, cast by the Coen brothers, to just play a kid in, like, a five-minute moment. Um, it's pretty great. You still didn't tell me what you think the theme is. Oh, themes. I mean, I think a lot of it is about, like, the conversation that Tommy Lee Jones' character has with uh, the sh- the boss hog looking sheriff <laughs> after the after the shootout at the desert sands, um, where he's just like, "All oh, these kids today, they got green hair," and I was thinking of so you. you say bone through his nose. <laughs> yeah, bones through their nose, and and Sheriff Bell's kind of nodding along with, "Yeah, I agree, I agree." I think there's that like it, it it's sort of like the same thing as what you were talking about before, but a lot of just that like 
I'm too old for this shit, Mm -hmm. right? Like, things are changing. I don't like that things are changing. I wish things were the way they they, they used to be. And I think... um, I don't think that Llewellyn thinks that way. I think Llewellyn is more of, like, in the space of... I want to make a better life for myself and I, I got this opportunity and I'm just going to grab it and I'm yeah. going to go for it. And um, Shigur is more of like this medium, like I'm just working my way through life. I'm doing my job, like no highs, no lows. I'm just doing what I'm paid to do. And then you have Sheriff Bell's character who is just like, yeah, I'm too old for this shit. So it's mm-hmm. interesting, like I think all of them playing off of each other. And I think there's a little bit of an interesting foil between, this isn't really about themes, but between... Sheriff Bell and his wife and their relationship, and then uh, Llewellyn and Carla Jean, where I, Sheriff Bell and his wife feel like a partnership. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's taken the horse, Winston, and she's like, when are y'all start paying me for mine? He's like, I love you more every day. And, you know, they're kind of joking around, whereas, like, Carla Jean is just being told what to do, and yeah. she's l- saying all the things she's worried about. But that's why I also feel like if she had been younger, mm-hmm. cast younger, I would have yeah. seen that better. There was nothing wrong with it. I yeah. mean, there are plenty of, you know, 30-year-old women, too, mm-hmm. who would act that way. But I feel like it would be really apparent. It would apparent, have been more obvious, guess, yeah. So, and I think there's some stuff in here about... The women in this show, there are very few, and, mm-hmm. and they don't do a whole lot. Sometimes I another Cormac McCarthy thing. As- aside from the, the woman at the pool, I also like the lady at the... Uh, the front desk of where they, they live. I told you I ain't giving out no information. <laughs> that lady. She's fucking... And she doesn't get killed. So, because pretty much everybody else Shigur comes in contact with, he comes in contact with, he Well, because them. he hurt somebody in the back, too. He was like, ah, not worth the risk. I really want to kill this lady, and she probably deserves it, but whatever. Yeah. I want to um, make her flip a coin. There's something about what it means to be a man, I guess, in, in a really, really harsh reality. Like, what... What men do, I don't know. Men do. Well, you know, like, about masculinity and what does masculinity look like and... I think there's an element of that, in my mind at least, it's almost less about masculinity and more about that per- that very specific type of man. Like, we are mm. in Texas. Yeah. It's... What it a, means to be a Texas man. Like, it's... Yeah, it's a really a West rough Texas. area. It And especially if you're talking about people who've been out there for generations, mm-hmm. who there's still an element of... The old west kind of mm-hmm. mentality. Oh yeah, um, and and Woody Harrelson does not fit. No, that. exactly. He He's is very the lily outside. white. In the guys in yes. the, I love the accountant. The accountant with Shigur, like maybe kills him, maybe he doesn't. But yeah, that he's just kind of, he, he stands his ground. He's yeah. pretty chill. Like, whereas. Well, I mean, they are part the guy, of a criminal enterprise. Right, the guy behind so. the desk freaks out, but then he immediately gets shot. But yeah, Llewellyn, when you see him, he is out in the fucking desert. Right. With no cover. With a gun and no water, just walking for like what yeah. seems to be miles. That's what I mean. Is it's very it definitely He's a tough fucking dude. It is the old west yeah. in modern times. Yeah. So I, I totally get what you mean. I think just in my mind, I wasn't necessarily thinking of it as what does it mean to be a man, but more what does it mean to be a man and this old west. kind of man. Yeah. Uh, you know, the just a couple of generations removed from cowboys, mm-hmm. from Texas Rangers, yeah. and, and the old yeah. school Texas Rangers. That so kind I of think there's thing. that, and then there's the whole like getting old and accepting fate, oh, yeah. and what is your fate. Yeah. Um, and then I think too, just sort of like what you were talking about, like you were like accepting your fate or pushing against it, but like I guess the Llewellyn character more of like maybe not pushing against fate, but like making making it making like you're gonna make your life what it's what you want it to be like mm-hmm. he, he saw this opportunity and he went after it and he wasn't gonna stop mm-hmm. he was like i'm not gonna accept 
that my life is living in this trailer right. with Carl G working at the Walmart. Yeah. I find this $2 million, and I'm going to just take this money and cut and run. Um, so trying to make your way in the world. And I think... Sh- in it takes the, everything you've got. Right. And I think... Oh, my God. Is that the Cheers theme? <laughs> We've come full circle. <laughs> hey, Woody. Yeah. But I think Sugar is making his own way. Um, it's hard not to look at Javier Bardem in this movie and just be too. completely bowled over by it and only pay attention to it because he's just, you're wondering like, what does this guy eat for breakfast? Well, Where does he sleep normally? Well, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when you, when you say like he's trying to make his own way, what's funny to me is I don't, I don't think he is. I think he's just, he's under the impression that this is this is just the way that, like, it's not, there aren't separate ways. There is this way. There is my way. This oh, is just how, his this is how the world is. He follows his principles and that is it. Yeah, like, I don't think he's thinking about it. He just, he's living in the world the way that he sees it to be. And mm-hmm. it's just that simple and that's all there is to it. So, if you happened upon the scene, like the one that Llewellyn finds, and you were able to find that satchel with $2 million in it, would you take it? What would you do? You would take it. I would take it. I would transfer it to a different container. Yeah. <laughs> which I well, guess the, it was the, the transmitter was inside of one of the stacks of money. Yeah. So maybe I wouldn't have. But and I probably would 80s. have too because I wanted to. I would want to count it, I think. I think that would be the first thing I would do is like when I got home, just like a little kid with coming home from trick-or-treating and you dump out all your candy. Mm-hmm. I think that would be my reaction too. You would be like. Dump everything like, out and start counting everything and putting the. So I, I think I probably would have found that transmitter too just because. I think I would have been a little bit too giddy and getting hands on with it. Uh, but I also would have left right away. Like that, that would be it. I, I'm a paranoid person too. And I think that would suit me well in this particular instance where it's justified to be really paranoid. So you're saying. So one of two things would happen. Either logic would kick in and I would go, I know what this shit is and I need to get the fuck out of here and pretend I never saw it. Which ideally is what would happen because that's how I would stay alive Mm -hmm. (laughs) or if I did actually find the money and I kept the money I'm getting the fuck out of Dodge and I'm never coming back I would have called the police oh that would not have been an option for me period because if I'm backing away and I'm not getting involved I don't want anybody to know I ever even saw it it'd be something like 20 years later I would tell somebody this story (laughs) but this is also 1980 we are just getting into the war on drugs. We are just starting to see a lot of that extreme violence mm-hmm. moving over the border. Um, and when I say just, I mean, you know, it's been five years th- somewhat mm-hmm. throughout the 70s, but it's still not not quite like it is today mm-hmm. also where if you actually encounter someone from a Mexican cartel, get the fuck out because they will cut off your fucking head. Yeah. Like, I don't want anything to do with any of those crazy motherfuckers. But back in 1980, you know it's serious shit. You know you could get killed. But also, I might be able to get away with this. It's just a bunch of dead guys out in the desert. So you're saying if it was 1980, you probably would have just taken the money and run. Unless, again, unless I was actually thinking really logically at the time. But, yeah. What? There were a couple of things, I uh, silly things that I liked when Sheriff Bell is talking to Carla Jean for the first time and he's telling her the story of uh the cattle mm-hmm. the guy who k- tries to kill the animal and then it's alive and it like almost kills him, him. Um, speaking th- of uh he calls it he says you know i he was he says something about beeves and in 
in the uh, closed captioning, it said B-E-E-V-E-S. And I was like, beavers? And then later on, it's like, oh, he's talking about cattle. He's talking about beavers. Like, but it says like beavs. beefs. <laughs> yeah. It was just funny. The speaking of the dialogue, one of my favorite pieces of dialogue too is when she calls him up later and she's like, "Was that story? Tr- was that st- a real story?" And he was like, "Well, I can't speak to all the details, but the story was real. Mm-hmm. Like it was really a story." Yeah. There's the way I don't even what was it? It was I'm blanking on the actual line now. It wasn't. I can't say it was basically like I can't say it was a true story, but the fact that it was a story is true. <laughs> the however it was that he phrased it, it's mm-hmm. probably on IMDb, and I just can't yeah. pick up my phone to look. Anyway. I feel like if this movie was made today, I would need some Danny McBride in it. For some reason, I was thinking Danny McBride belongs in no. this film. Way too comedic. Well, I think the only... He would just be maybe be the accountant or maybe behind the guy behind the desk. The Nah. I don't think... We have, we have in here... I feel like Garrett Dillahunt is the goofy... The goofy comedy to it. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff that's like mm-hmm. laugh out loud that kind the of mom, shouldn't be laugh out loud. Like cancer mom is. is funny, but you get too much of that and it just becomes schlock. Sorry, Danny McBride. Whatever. I think he could do anything. He should be in everything. I don't. <laughs> I mean, he's fine. He's 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 good. He's really good at what he does. But he's one of those people who I can only take in small doses because he's kind of over the top in a lot yeah. of ways. So it's just sometimes he can be too much. Somebody that we work with, as I'm watching Tommy Lee Jones play this guy, I was like, oh, this is going to be this guy in 50 years. Oh, shit. Who? Come on. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. He works with the product development team. I'm not going to say his name. He's the head of the product development team. I don't see that at all. Really? Oh, that's what I. That's all I could think of. Was like Not that's gonna be him in fifty even years. A little, no, no. I just thought it was funny. Huh. Yeah, I don't see that at all. Um, what else did I want to ask? After so so when Tommy Lee comes back to the desert sands at night, and Shigeru is inside one of those rooms, um, and he goes into the one that he's not in, and he walks out. But in the one that he's in, he can see the vent cover has been taken off. And there's a dime on the floor. The dime was used to unscrew the screws of the vent cover. Mm-hmm. And the dime is heads up. Mm-hmm. And it felt like a symbol mm-hmm. of, like, because he made a choice. He made a choice, a random choice, to go into one of these rooms. And the one he went into was the safe one. Just something I was thinking about. Seemed to be a symbol of something. Hmm. I have other stuff that has not and nothing to do with this movie. I want to talk about Tommy Lee Jones, but... Are there other things about the film that you want to discuss? Um, I I think one of the things that always stands out to me about this movie, and a handful of others too, but the very specific kind of horror that comes from the way that the deaths and the murders in this movie are portrayed. Like, I had almost a visceral reaction to... The first murder that you see, or I guess the second, actually, the second murder that you see Shigar commit, the guy who he just pulls over so he can get in the oh, car. Oh, right, and he says, stand still, sir. Right, and he's just, it's just, he's regular guy who just got pulled over by who he assumes is the police, doesn't have any reason to think that anything is weird or wrong, just being a nice guy, 
cooperating, asking questions. What is this thing? What is this thing? And the absolute quiet coolness with which Shigar acts and then he's dead. Just like that. And I feel like that's not something that's often portrayed. It's usually... Mm -hmm. Violence seems more violent. Violence seems more violent and it's a big to-do and it's, you know, everybody has... People are scared. People are scared. Well, like in the movies, everybody has a speech and it really freaks people out. Yeah, people are scared and they're crying Mm -hmm. and begging for their lives and blah, 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 blah. And the the way it can happen just so fast in just a moment it's quiet and it's final yeah and then later on too when um carl jean is talking to sugar and she's saying you don't have to do this and he, he kind of laughs and the he same says, thing everybody carlson's says character said the same thing earlier in the film yeah that you yeah. don't have to do that and it it is funny that uh I, I think that is said a lot by people, you know, you get mugged or maybe it's a sexual assault yeah. or you, you know something bad is going to happen. And I think that is one of the things that somebody often outs with right away. Well, so you don't have to do this, which thinking, has always struck you're me thinking as so. like, like internally you might be thinking, why is this happening? Right. And then you're thinking this is a person is choosing to do this to me. Like they don't have to. Right. Yeah. And it's a strange thing. It's always struck me as a strange thing for someone to say that you don't have to do this because in my mind, no fucking shit. They know they don't. Yeah. I mean, unless you're talking about, I don't know, somebody who's mugging you for money and because he really needs the money and right. he doesn't realize there's another way out or something. But sure. even then, yeah. you chose violence. You chose this. And if you chose it, me telling you that you didn't have to choose it doesn't mean shit. You already made your choice, which is funny because that's and that's kind of what she says, too. Like she she says at first, you don't need to do this. And then she comes back around when he asks her to to pick a, a side that she just says that coin doesn't mean it that coin's not gonna choose my fate like mm-hmm. you you did this right you chose it. and he says he has the fucking balls to say it, which is not even the balls it's he's a sociopath but he says the coin and i we got here the same way no you did not mm-hmm. that coin rode you here you made a choice mm-hmm. but there's but that's there's not something how he about sees the world that's right not right, how no, he sees I, know. right. I think in general for me as a human being there is something that is so deeply disturbing about I mean, everybody's probably pretty disturbed by a lot of this movie, but about that specific aspect of human life, that sort of frailty where it's not always a battle. It's not always a fight. It can be as simple as wrong place, wrong time. It can be as simple as, yeah. And I think in a lot of ways it does, again, come back to that element of fate, you know, that this is maybe how you were fated to die. Um, But in movies and TV, that's never the way it's portrayed. You know, it's always seen as a big to-do. Mm-hmm. And chances are it's not. It's uh, not with a bang, but with a whimper. Sure. You know, it's it's that kind of... And I think there is something about that that freaks me out and excites me at the same time. And that's one of the draws. You sick fuck. This one of the big draws that I have to this movie is it, it hits something inside of me because mm-hmm. it does feel very real. And it does strike a lot, again, at, at mm-hmm. the heart of, like, human frailty and um, how no matter what you'd want your fate to be, it just is what it is. Um, so speaking to also, you know, are you the kind of person who accepts your fate or fights against it? I always fight against it. I know I do. Like, I want to be in absolute control, and I fight it and fight it and fight it, and I don't think it's to a good end. Mm. It makes me fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, Sounds miserable to me. Yeah, it's not great. But but there is something about watching all of these other people do it and watching it play out in this way that's, I wouldn't say cathartic, but um, touching 
I don't know. There's it, it just hits me in a weird way that a lot of other movies that have a lot of violence or murder or aggression really don't. It's that, that sort of realistic aspect and kind of what you were talking mm-hmm. about too about everybody being kind of calm, cool, and collected. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about it that I think some people see as just being creepy and unsettling and I see it as being... More real. Eerily real. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, a lot of times in TV movies everything is dramatized, right? right? So it's supposed to seem... Like, I tried to watch that Pam Hupp show with Renee so Zellweger. melodramatic. And the opening scene is the husband calling the police on the phone and he's just like melting down and I don't think... Sometimes that does happen. Sometimes that, that does happen. He actually did melt. I've heard okay, that real call. sure. But I, I just... Because that was that one bothered, of the reasons... That bothered me because... This that is, was one of the reasons why they were like, oh, he obviously did it because he had an overreaction. Right. But of course, if he had been really calm, they would have said he did it because he didn't thing. react. That bothered me because these are real people and I feel like we're making... It, it felt like we were poking fun and making light of something that was very serious. Yeah, I agree. And um, especially when you look at this particular woman, Pam Hub, mm-hmm. you watch actual footage of her, it's creepy as fuck. Yeah. She's a scary bitch. Knowing what she did and how, like, mm-hmm. uh, normal she seems. Yeah. And Renee Zellweger did not play her normal. The, she played her like a fucking cartoon felt character. cartoonish, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, sidebar. But I guess, yeah, sometimes life isn't like we see in movie and TVs. And I think a lot of times it is, yes, not with a bang, but with a whimper. Mm-hmm. And this, um, you said the word horror. And I feel as though there's a lot of that in this movie in the way that everything goes down with Sugar mm-hmm. and the way that he behaves. Um, because he's a psychopath, right? So I think you do see some of that in horror movies sometimes. You see people I think, doing these really cold-blooded things and, and without a lot of emotion behind them. And I think that's... I think, again, part of what makes this movie more real to me, and, and I think Javier Bardem in particular, his portrayal, mm-hmm. is that thing that I was talking about in the beginning, too, where you don't see any joy right. in his eye. This He's is just who doing he what is. what he has to do. Right. And I think when you watch a lot of, like, horror movies, a lot of times you would see if there's a, a sociopath, you know, you might see that they love this thing and they're yeah, excited they get by it and they want to kill. I get yeah. off on this. And that kind of, it. I think that makes me feel also like, this is the kind of person you could recognize. This is the kind of person you would see coming. You know, you would know that this is the which is not what a true sociopath would be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me far less afraid of, you know, we all have those people we know in our lives or mm-hmm. come in and out who are like, that dude's a fucking weirdo. Yeah. And then you stay the fuck away from them and you feel safe and you're fine. It's not about the weirdo dude. It's about the guy who, I mean, granted, Charles is a little bit weird, but he also just had conversations with people. Yeah. He didn't necessarily seem normal, but he didn't necessarily seem threatening. You know, it's that guy that's, especially when you're thinking about like the first murder with the deputy. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a weapon that he knew was a weapon. He didn't, I mean, we assume, didn't resist arrest because everything seemed fine. He got him there in one piece. He had him just sitting there because he didn't see, he didn't seem like a threat. Yeah. Didn't seem like a threat at all. Why because he, he was calm and he wasn't saying yeah. anything to Last him. Last thing and... that cop said was, it's all yeah. under control. You got, got it under there. control. We're good. So, like, aside from me, have you known any other sociopaths? You're so not a sociopath. <laughs> You're like hard on your sleeve. I care about people. I love I people. I do not wear my heart on my sleeve. Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> I mean, you know. I need uh, to try harder. Yeah, right. But yeah, have you have you ever known anyone who we thought that person might be? I've known I don't some narcissists. So. Some really really heavy narcissists. Yeah, I've known some narcissistic. I've known a couple people who I'm pretty sure are borderline personality have borderline personality yeah. disorder. Um, 
if but that's that's the reality of it right you probably don't recognize a sociopath in your life unless you are living with even then there are a lot of people who don't recognize them when they're living with them because that's one of the key things that they can do is yeah they can can fake it yeah because sugar is not faking anything but no he's living he's he's going to beat his own drum he's the job but yeah yeah i i uh amy schumer one of the inside amy schumer episodes she talked to a sociopath yeah oh i do remember that yeah it was a cool interview i mean they blurred out this woman's face but she was talking about things that she does. She's like, you know, yeah, I stole somebody's bike off the street because I needed a bike. And yeah. just like, I don't feel bad about this stuff, but I know that I need to fit into society. Exactly. And I, I think it's knowing that, it, knowing that, that it's usually an element of a, in order to get what I want, I know I have to give people what I they want. Yeah. So I don't feel these feelings. I don't feel compassion for you, but I'm going to say I do in order to get my right. way in life. But for you, being a human being mm-hmm. <laughs> with human emotions, right. you see it as they must be genuine. Yeah. I but we believe them because right. they're good at faking it. And that's because they must be because they've got scary. Body. Like that's scary to not be able to read somebody. <sighs> There's probably somebody we know who's a sociopath. Probably. I mean, what what is the incidence of sociopathy? Like what? It's pretty low in terms 1%, of 1% less than that oh, even. I, I don't know about that necessarily i in terms of personality disorders it's certainly one of the more rare okay so um i want to talk about uh timely jones uh acting career especially a really uh, a movie that's really important to me that i've seen a few times (laughs) i'm concerned um you might have heard of it it's uh from 2005 it's called man of the house what is man of the house (laughs) you haven't seen this you have to see this um, and it's playing on HBO Max right now. If you're what, what is this? Um, it's uh, the description is a Texas Ranger must protect a group of cheerleaders who have witnessed a murder. Oh, that actually does sound familiar. It is awful and funny and all of those things. But the best part about it is it stars Tommy Lee Jones two years before he did this movie. The man has incredible range. That does sound actually familiar. I think for me, when I think of Tommy Lee Jones. It always goes back to The Fugitive. I think The Fugitive was the first time that I saw him and was like, this guy's great. You Because know, I would have been a kid then. Like I don't think I've even ever seen The Fugitive all the way through. I love that movie. It's been years since I've seen you it. You should but put it on I the list. I loved it. Because I If don't, you really don't remember it. I mean, I know the story of The Fugitive, and I know that, you know, it's kind of a big deal, but I've never watched it all the way deal. through. It's great. Because it's not a movie I ever would have wanted to see. Oh, I... So, love Harrison Ford, have always loved Harrison Ford. Celia Ward is his wife used to watch sisters devotedly oh yeah loved her obsessed with sisters yes. yeah um i mean granted the wife obviously is murdered pretty quickly <laughs> it's not like she's in it long spoiler alert Uh-oh. I'm, oh oh that's I'll right because that's the plot right yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah so i don't think i mentioned much but he my recommendation would be for people to watch man in the house but go on about the fugitive no i was just saying that's i think that's the uh the first thing that i saw him in that i really recognized him and you know how there are actors who you know for a while and you've seen them and stuff, but it's not until after a certain role that you're, every time you see him after that, you're like, oh, that's Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely remember him from Batman as Two-Face. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was a lot in the trivia comparing his character, Two-Face, who's a coin flipper, to Shigur in this movie, who's also I didn't a even flipper. remember that he flipped coins. Yeah. Um... I couldn't tell you the first I mean, name. Men in Black, I mean, too. He's... Which is... Right. Like, okay. That's another one. Yes, And was I it the that. third Men in Black? I think it was the third. Or was it that the second? Brolin plays... The second or third. Yeah, that Brolin plays the young him. I think it's the second one. It might be the third one. I think it's the third one. But anyway, I... And I do love those movies. 
Yeah, maybe Men in Black. I mean, I've JFK, always, which I've is on the list. Always known of him. That's kind of how I feel. Again, the the fugitive was Blown the time away. it concretely Blown moved into my head. But yeah, I feel like I had seen him in plenty of things prior to that. I mean, he's been in everything. I mean, Coal Miner's Daughter, and I saw that when I was probably like eight or nine. It feels like he's kind of like Susan Sarandon in that it feels like he's always been old. Yeah, even though I, I know that, that he yeah, hasn't, yeah. but he's always been an old man. Yeah, for sure um i love him like i just want him to be my dad like he just and you know (laughs) dude probably has tells some amazing stories yeah and the whole the whole reason we decided to watch this was because we had been talking so much about josh brolin and he was just on armchair expert with Dak shepherd where he talked about how he got this job on no country for old men and that story was insane and He's incredible in this. Like, mm-hmm. I i mean, I've been watching him on uh, Outer Range, and he's great, but I like him here. I like him at this age. I like him with the shitty haircut and the mustache, all of it. He just looks great. He just looks fucking incredible. And his voice sounds great, and all the shit that he says to Carla Jean is sexy as fuck. Yeah, marry me. Uh, favorite Josh Brolin? Um... I guess probably this now. Before I would have said... Uh, have you seen Goose. Sicario? Nope. <gasps> Leah, you're killing me. Sorry. I have not. And I don't give a shit about Thanos. I don't. Although I recognize him as Thanos because of the voice. And then, yeah, he was in Dune. Yeah. But American Gangster, you don't like. Mm-mm. I don't... Like, I just don't get you, man. It's just not the shit that I would watch. I don't feel like American Gangster is all... I mean, it's very different from No Country from Old Men, but it's not all that different in some of the same kinds of... It's, you know... I need it's to watch, violence. I need and, to watch Labor Day. I've always wanted to see that, and I never have. I don't think you probably do. I, I mean... You didn't like it? I don't even remember for sure if I really watched it or if I just... If I did watch it, it was really forgettable. I was really excited about Jonah Hex. And then I never watched it because I was I I realize it's going to be awful. Oh yeah, I've not seen it. Well, I don't know why I would. <laughs> I never watched W. Oh W wasn't bad. For what it was, I mean. Yeah, for me it's probably this and Goonies. Honestly, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. I did I do love Goonies. Oh, that's right. He's in Hollow Man. Another great another oh, great film. Yeah, sure. I forgot about that too. He plays like a bespectacled scientist in hollow man it's really? kind of hot i don't even remember it's kind of hot i do not even like remember a in that film kevin bacon is like the stud muffin and josh roland is like the dorky just, scientist yeah. it's bizarre doesn't make any sense i don't yeah i don't remember him being in it at all hmm. it's been years since i've seen that though yeah so do we need to talk about how javier bardem looks a lot like jeffrey dean morgan can i mean it's just the thing that happens in another Hollywood man sometimes. whom i deeply deeply love yeah but i I feel like... It is strange I mean, to me. I, Bardem so, is a better actor. Yes. Jeffrey Dean Morgan... Uh, he's, a t- he's our TV man. I, he belongs on TV. I fell in love with him in Supernatural, of course, obviously, because that's me. And then not long after Supernatural, he went to Grey's Anatomy while I was still watching Grey's Anatomy. You know, Denny. That whole yeah, arc is great. Denny, that was yeah. great. Um, and I've seen some of his shitty movies. Like, there was a shitty movie from a few years ago that I was really excited about because he hadn't put anything out for a while, and I watched it. It was fucking terrible. Oh, I remember you talking about that. Well, I Although think- I really like the one, actually, with uh, 
like his is supposedly based on a true story where right. his daughter's like possessed yes. by a Jewish demon in a box or something. I don't know. But I actually kind of enjoyed that There's movie. There's so many movies like that. Yeah. It was a little bit different. It Well, for one thing, it was different because it had Mats Yahoo. I think. <laughs> Which was great to see. Fabulous. But yes, I noticed. It was funny. Like, I, I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan as, basically as the dad in Supernatural. Like, that sure. was how I knew him around this time. And Javier Bardem, I knew before him because, yeah, before Night Falls was mm-hmm. around the turn of the century. And then there was another one in there, too. Something about the sea that, that Javier Bardem mm-hmm. was in. So I knew him, and I knew he was this great, unbelievable, just incredible actor. Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't know most of his stuff because he was a Spanish actor, and, mm-hmm. you know, most of his stuff wasn't in the U.S., and it was harder to find a lot of that stuff. Like, nowadays, you can find a lot of foreign movies a lot easier, but then you really couldn't. But I knew him as this just amazing actor, and I knew Jeffrey Dean Morgan as... The, the dad, dad, the dad on the WB show. <laughs> so I had no illusions to thinking that he was, that they were like in any way the right. same. So I never put together that they looked alike they either looked so until like. a certain point. And I don't remember when it was, but it was years later. It was years after mm-hmm. No Country for Old Men even, where I looked at, I think I was looking at Javier Bardem, so I was probably watching him in something. And it occurred to me then that like, holy shit. He, like, actually looks just like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. It was just a light bulb moment. Even though I had known both of them in different roles for years, they were so different in my yeah. mind that I never, I never kind of thought about that it. They look and now I can't, anytime I watch either of them, it kind of You can't help but think about it. Yeah. Especially now that they're both a little bit older, I think, that it kind of, yeah. I feel like it, it kind of sunk in a little more. Yeah. Their features the gray a little and bit everything. more. And, yeah. like, all these guys wearing facial hair now, it makes it harder to distinguish them from other men yeah, I guess because the shape of their face is hidden by whatever they've done with their facial yeah. hair also speaking of Javier Bardem the I Love Lucy movie which isn't an I Love Lucy movie but a Lucy movie the on, Ricardos being the, the Ricardos. Ricardos being the Ricardos yeah and he um, plays Desi really good worth a watch the biggest problem I have and he's great and he has the voice down and he's, a, he's an amazing actor my biggest beef is just that he looks nothing like Desi Arnaz mm, and it too, was really hard to get Desi past Arnaz that. Desi Arnaz is a little more slender well I he think. just has a very different face yeah very different like they just look absolutely well, nothing yeah. alike and I it, it again he was great in it but for the whole two hours I just it's couldn't I just couldn't quite yeah. get over that yeah that's tough yeah I honestly think Jeffrey D. Morgan is for me he's most famous as be, uh, of being vegan. Walking Dead. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I never watched him on there. Although he looked hot, what I saw. He looked good. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't my favorite big bad from Walking Dead. My favorite big bad from The Walking Dead was the governor. I don't know what you're I'll talking about. I'll never forget sure. the governor. He was the best. He had a whole room with tanks filled with, like, just zombie heads in water. I feel like that would stink. Just oh, they're rad. in. He was a really like formaldehyde, maybe. Ah, uh, no, I think it was. I mean, they're zombies. They can live in anything, right? Oh, the they were still is, alive. Yeah, well, they're oh. they're not alive. They're zombies. They're the living dead. They were alive so you could in zombie. Cut terms. the head off, and the head's still going to be animated, and you could just stick. But it that in. doesn't make any sense. So maybe it was because the brain is not the only component of the central nervous system. Right, but it's 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 like not, if you no longer have cerebral spinal fluid, Lindsay, it's supernatural. I don't understand. Or it's a virus. I don't know. Well, if it was a virus, then they're still human. And the rules in The Walking Dead, I think, was that it's a virus because they're biting you, but that's often Yeah, the case. because I watched it for the first handful of episodes, yeah. and it was like this whole outbreak, right? It was, yeah. it was like a virus, right? Yeah, it was like, a, it was like an outbreak, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 
Anything else about any of the actors in this movie? The Coen brothers? The movie itself? I guess Coen brothers too. We didn't really talk about them. So you said you haven't seen many of their movies? I've seen Fargo. I've seen True Grit. Which is, uh, and like I mean, this it's one theirs, won them. This really one won like four Oscars, I think. Uh, three or four, something yeah. like that. It was four. It was four. They won. Let's see. I know best supporting went to Bardem. Yeah. Best motion picture of the year. Um, best achievement in directing and best adapted screenplay. So the Coens themselves won three Oscars. But um, you haven't really seen other movies that they've written. Um, well, I've seen Fargo. Right. Okay. That one. Burn, um, and I've you've seen, seen Burn Grit. After Reading, right? Hmm? Burn After Reading? I've seen Burn After Reading. Yeah, I can't ever get over that gif of Brad Pitt dancing with the... Uh... My mom loves Burn oh After God. Reading, actually. She, your mom likes that movie? Yeah, she thought it was great. It's super goofy. Yeah. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou where are I've seen this, yes. I like that movie. I mean, it's The Big fun. Lebowski. Honestly... I've never seen The Big Hudsucker Proxy, I really, really liked. I haven't seen it in probably 15 years 20 See, years probably more like 20 years even but i really like the hudsucker proxy too hold on i'm trying to find raising arizona is on the list trying i mean to find the director credits hold on um director so i haven't seen let's see i've seen hail caesar i, I want to see inside llewellyn davis i've wanted to see it for years yeah um it that is one that i feel like i'm going to love and yet i've not sat down yeah. to watch it because i just haven't to say I haven't been in the right mood is accurate, but also seems like a real cop out because it's been fucking years. Yeah, I think it's and it's I think been it's on Prime. on Prime this entire time, and I yeah. love Oscar Isaac, and I mm-hmm. yeah, I just need to watch it. Exactly. I think part of me just is like doesn't want it to be depressing. I mean, it's going to be a little bit dark. I'm prepared for that. So yeah, but there's a ton of stuff that I haven't seen of them of theirs. So they are quite talented and. I I actually read in the trivia that they were filming There Will Be Blood in the same kind of area as this was being filmed at the same time. And I was thinking about how much I don't really care about Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. Not nearly as much. I I don't feel like it... uh... Like, I tried to watch There Will Be Blood this year, and I just couldn't get into it. And I fucking love Daniel Day-Lewis. Love the shit out of that guy. You tried to watch what? Sorry. There Will Be Blood. Yeah. I didn't... I saw it in the theater. I didn't enjoy it, and it didn't stick. Too long. And I think... For me, you know, speaking to that, the, the quiet aspect that you're talking about with mm-hmm. this movie, too, the Coen brothers have a great way of being calm, cool, quiet, collected, but there's something about it that's still very engaging. Yep. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's disturbing, sometimes it's just a, hey, hold on, what was that? Mm-hmm. But there's always something very engaging about every single piece of dialogue every scene every yeah. character i don't get that from um there will be blood or paul thomas, paul thomas anderson. anderson in general i i can't think of any movie of his that i've watched that i've thought anything beyond it's really long like i know and i like, like, like I, epics, I appreciate but... i appreciate the skill in it and i like i said i love daniel day lewis of course but i'm watching there will be blood and the beginning part is a little bit interesting because you're kind of watching they they introduce you to this world but it just yeah i wasn't 100 percent engaged with it and i yeah so it feels like i need to watch this because there are things about it i should appreciate but i still feel like if i'm going to be watching a movie it needs to be engaging like you yeah, said. yeah yeah and i just don't yeah i just don't it shouldn't have to be a slog and yet 
Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Paul Thomas Anderson. And granted, I haven't. Did you say you tried to watch Licorice Pizza? Oh, I haven't turned that one on. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I'd like to watch it, but I haven't actually watched I it. I told yet. Melissa and the band last weekend that Licorice Pizza is a record, and they were like, what? And I was like, I learned you guys something. I didn't realize he also was an editor on Magnolia. That sounds about right. I fucking hate that movie. I've never seen it. It's so bad. It, it is seems like the very most, self, It seems like it's probably really self-righteous. It is one of the most heavy-handed, bullshit, like, we're going to teach you a lesson in life kind <laughs> of movies. Ugh. Well, wait, but wait. Worst. But how do you, how do you feel about Oh, he, how, it is his. Okay, he wrote okay, it. He, he wrote, wrote and directed it. Okay. it. Yeah, how, so how do you, no. How do you feel about Tom Cruise's look in that movie? I don't remember his look. He's got like long hair, being... then sometimes he does like a half a bun. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't even remember that. All right. Anything else to discuss about this? Well, I just had a realization that film. apparently, in fact, not only do I not get Paul Thomas Anderson, I actually don't like him now that I realize that he did Magnolia. So there was a big takeaway. You, hear, you heard it here first, people. Big takeaway. Dislike. She doesn't like PTA. Dislike. Now we're gonna have to watch. Was Licorice just pizza. plain not a real fan with There Will Be Blood. But Did you watch Licorice Pizza? No, I just said that. I said I haven't uh. watched it yet. I'll probably get to it at some point. When it's but free, I bet I won't free, like it based like, okay. on historical data. Would you like if if you had to choose between a PTA movie and like a Timmy movie? Um. Well, so Timothy Chalamet is an actor ish. Acting. Uh, so I don't feel like the movie is his movie. Right, but he's in it, so it's like... He's in it. I can watch him. I don't have a problem watching him. I just don't think he's very good. I don't think he's a bad actor. I just don't think he's very good. He's watchable still. Like, there are only a handful of actors that I really cannot Sorry, that's me hissing. I'm hissing at you because... Because why? Because he's a good actor. I mean, he's... He, all right, but he's not. He's going to win so many awards, and you're going to be just for what? eating all your words. For what? Stuff he hasn't made yet. Stuff he hasn't. Good luck to him. I hope that he does learn and become better. <laughs> because I don't, I'm not, again, I've not, I'm not saying he's a bad actor. I think he could end up being really good at some point, but I haven't seen anything from him that's made me think like, wow. In the meantime, when are we going to get Josh Brolin an Oscar? Or something. Something. Get Maybe he'll be something. up for an Emmy with this new, this new Prime show, which I'm still way behind on. I've got t- the two episodes from this week. If there are two episodes, I watched. I've watched the first four. I've only watched the first two, so I guess I'm not way behind. Outer but... Range. Yes. It's good. You should watch it. Um. Sorry, I was just thinking about. I do think he's a good actor. Is he? Has he ever had like an Oscar caliber role? I would say he was nominated for one. Milk. I was going to say, this one and Milk are probably the closest. I haven't seen him in Milk. Oh, you haven't seen Milk either? I haven't seen Milk. Milk is good. It's good. I mean, it's not... The story, like the true story sticks with you, but I wouldn't say that the movie necessarily stuck with me in a huge way. It's just... It's a horrible story, and the movie itself is filled with great people, and it was well done and well put together. So, yeah, it was good. He was also nominated for a Blockbuster Entertainment Award in 2001, for supporting actor science fiction in Hollow Man. Oh well, so maybe I need to rewatch yes. Hollow Man. No, like I said, it I don't really remember. Is... The last thing I remember about Hollow Man is when we watched 
it was the invisible man was what they called it wasn't it the the new version <laughs> yeah and both of us were like just fucking watch hollow man hollow man's better than the yeah invisible man. and i yeah. remember not i remember thinking it wasn't a great movie but a little better than <laughs> that tripe hollow hollow man yeah i mean i could talk about it for hours i've never seen it in the theater you saw that in the theater yeah wow that's impressive. Why is that impressive? I don't know. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I Yeah. I think there's like maybe some rape in that one. I honestly remember very little about it. I remember I saw it in the theater. I remember I liked it, but also thought it was kind of meh. Like I enjoyed it, but I didn't really care it's, about seeing it again. It's a little bit like the plot of Dennis's movie from It's Always Sunny about the guy who smells crime, but then there's full penetration. <laughs> there like, was not full penetration. Smells crime, but close. There might have been. It was just not on screen not on screen it full was like under the covers but yeah back to the lab full penetration, full penetration. smells crime back full to the lab anyway it's the implication mm, in the hollow implication. man is the implication yes <laughs> all right anything else uh i think i'm good i think we've I said really enough do, i really do love this movie and if anybody hasn't seen it i highly strongly recommend i appreciate it much more now than i did at the time i think also the fact that it's something I feel very strongly about, like I love it, but the fact that you also like it and appreciate it mm-hmm. should speak to everyone that this is actually a good It's got movie. something for everybody. Yeah. It's got something for everybody. The Movie Virgins. Hey people, this is Leah. It's a Thursday evening in Missouri. It's really fucking hot outside. I'm drinking a sort of cool finger of basil hayden's rye which is really tasty um yeah i don't have anything else to say this is a fun movie i hope that you've seen it and if you haven't you should please go to see it and if you are into josh brolin you definitely should be watching outer range if you haven't already um they have wrapped that show up and it's really fucking great really fucking weird and really fucking great also i've recently been watching life in pieces which stars josh's dad james brolin Look, I like the Amityville horror and all the other shit that James Brolin ever did just as much as anybody else, but you need to be watching him on Life in Pieces. He's really great as a comedic dad. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I hope everybody's staying cool wherever you are, in Missouri or elsewhere, and um, if you haven't already, you should definitely check out Sisser and Melissa Powers, who's a badass bitch. Oh!